0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. John Schmelk, Paul Tatina with you. 201 939 We'll take your calls, uh, throughout the program. We'll take them a little bit later, more so than early, because in a few minutes we'll have Paul Schwartz in the New York Post, um, kind of get somebody else's take. I'm sure you're hearing, sick of hearing from me, Paul and Lance over the past few weeks. So, try to get a new voice on here, kind of talk about where the Giants are. We're not going to revisit, you know, what the Giants should have done with the draft, with the quarterback and Barkley. We're through that. Um, we talked about it for three months, so I don't want to revisit that. I kind of want to look forward now and kind of see what's next. With You kind of have an idea of what the team looks like, rookie minicamp coming, and that's kind of what we're going to address with Paul.
1: Yeah, right now the Giants have uh, 81 players on their roster going into the rookie minicamp, which opens tomorrow. Uh, they are allowed ninety, as you guys know. Uh, by the time uh, they get through the summer and they open up training camp uh, in the end of July,
0: and that does include the that includes the drafted players, correct? In that eighty one,
1: the eighty one includes yes. the six draft picks because it's my belief that the six draft picks will be on on the ninth. Correct. I mean, unless somebody fails a
0: physical. My point is that even though the contracts out, aren't technically signed, they are on that roster to eighty one.
1: I'm yes. considering them as eighty one now. Definitely. If you want to take those six off, it's seventy five. No, I hear you. You know, uh, but the point is. That does leave quite a bit of wriggle room for undrafted rookie free agents to at least get an opportunity to sign for training camp.
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, we'll see when the Giants uh, announce their undrafted free agent signings. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, we hope to get it before practice starts tomorrow so we have a roster. We know who's ha- what you number. have to. I know you they did. can't practice unless they're signed. I'm just kidding. And, of course, the rookies um, arrive much later on today. And then rookie minicamp on Friday and Saturday. We'll have coverage of that for you. Right here on Giants.com to talk about that and everything else going on with the New York football Giants this is Paul Schwartz. He's covered the Giants for the New York Post. I believe he is the senior-most person on the beat these days. I'm not counting you, Paul. I know you're the most senior. I'm not trying to take any I'm a dinosaur you know, is I what I am. Know that. I'm not even a person. See, I'm a fossil. See, you know, I would call you a fossil, and I would call Paul the dinosaur. Paul, how are you?
2: <laughs> fossil? Are we talking about Jim Fossil? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's actually the one Coach Paul doesn't want to talk about. All right, Paul, you know— We've, we've kind of rehashed the draft a million times, six ways from Saturday. So let's move, let's move past that. Um, the team in general, and let's start with the big picture thing first. When you take a look at this roster, what part of it, position, side of the ball, you can go whatever way you want, makes you kind of crinkle your forehead and go, that worries me a little bit. Well, I think
2: my focus would definitely go towards the defensive side of the ball. And it seems to me at this point the Giants are putting a lot on James Betcher and his scheme to kind of figure it out, okay? Figure out how we're going to get pressure with your scheme, with your deployment of personnel, because we have not given you certainly the juice and the talent that – Pat Shermer has on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, now look, you can't address everything with the draft and everything with free agency. They uh, draft, they address some of that need in uh, free agency. Certainly with Alec Ogletree on defense um, in free agency, with Kareem Martin a little bit, with Lorenzo Carter in the draft a little bit. But I think primarily, when I look at this team now. It is more of an offensive-dominated team, and it is a defense that is going to have to rely on things like almost like the way the Cowboys did it in a few years past. Less time on the field, uh, maybe having a lead more often, and maybe using scheme to get pressure on the quarterback rather than raw ability, which they've had in the past with some of these really good Giants teams. Yeah,
0: and Paul, I said something similar yesterday. I want to kind of pinpoint focus on something here because, you know, as we all well know, it's a passing league, all right? In order to win in this game, you have to either be really good at getting after the quarterback or be really good at covering on the back end. And ideally, you're good at both. And I think right now for this defense, you know, Olivier Vernon's a good pass rusher. He's never been a dominant pass rusher in terms of getting home. Uh, They traded Jason Pierre-Paul. So I wonder about your consistent ability to get to the quarterback. And then once you get past Janoris Jenkins, I think there are, A lot of questions at the cornerback position as well. So uh, if if those are the two things you need to stop people, I think the Giants do have a couple significant questions in those areas. They do, And, and, and I really think that Lorenzo Carter
2: in the third round is a guy that's not just a, well, we drafted him and we hope he develops and plays special teams right away guy. I think he's a guy that they want to get in the pass rush. Be nice. Right away, right away. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, and and, and 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 I just think you know that that's one of those things that that's one of those spots that the Giants have not hit a a mid round pass rusher, the Demontre Moore's, uh, the uh, you know the, there's a bunch of other guys who they taking Owa Odiguzawa, guys who they said. In the third, fourth round, we are taking them to be pass rushers. They have not developed. So I think Lorenzo Carter has to develop as a pass rusher almost from
0: day one for this whole thing to work. Or Avery Moss from last year, too, another young guy that maybe might help in out. Which is area. still to be determined.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Uh, last year, the Cardinals had 37 sacks. Paul Chandler Jones had 17. The Giants only had 27. So, And by the way,
0: the Cardinals had one of their lowest blitz percentages last year from the Betcher era because... Chandler Jones was so good. Yeah, a
1: yeah. year before, I think they had 48 sacks. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what number they're going to have. I don't necessarily put as much stock in the sack number, although I've always said you need to have about 40 to 42 sacks because that's usually indicative of what your better defenses will have. But I don't, I don't want to put it all on the sack total because, in my opinion, Paul, the Giants had a number of defensive players who underachieved last year for whatever reason you want to say, and I think it's reasonable to expect at least four or five of these guys, whether it be Jenkins, uh, Landon Collins, Eli Apple, uh, you can put a, a bunch of guys in that boat and say it's reasonable to expect that they will play a heck of a lot better than they did last season.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, but, but um, those players are not pass rushers. You know, you no. can't give me really uh, two or three names no, I can't. of guys and say they, they underachieved as pass rushers. So I think that is, you know, uh, um, to the point of getting pressure on the quarterback because, look, let's face it. Let's turn this around and say, um, look at the Giants' offense and how is an opposing defense going to line up, spread out, okay, and stop Odell and Sterling Shepard and Engram and Barkley coming out of the backfield? um, did I miss anybody? You know, no, just, nice just, and, and you know <laughs> you know, that whole package. well, Bartlett, you say, well they're not really it. going to they're going to have to get pressure on Eli. So conversely it's the same thing with the Giants that, that you know there will be there will be times where there will be spread out and there will be mismatches on the field because as you said, unless Eli Apple develops into a lockdown cornerback in year number three after a fairly promising rookie year and a disaster of a second year. And, you know, William Gay in the slot, does he have enough tread on the tires to line up against one of these slot guys? So it's going to have to come from pressure up front, and that is a legitimate question mark for this team right now.
0: And, Paul, where's the competition coming from? I think you mentioned the three, quote-unquote, starting cornerbacks. I think we're all pretty confident Janoris Jenkins could be a number one guy. He can take care of us side of the field fairly well, and you'll be okay. Um, Eli Apple, you mentioned, then William Gay in the slot, Where's competition coming for from those two, for those two guys in the slot and outside where they're going to get pushed? And maybe if, you know, Gay shows his age a little bit or Apple doesn't play like he did as a rookie, that we're going to have somebody emerge and say, hey, maybe this guy can get some significant playing time.
2: Well, it's not coming from the draft, obviously, because right. they <laughs> did not draft a cornerback or a safety. Um, and it's probably not coming in – you know free agency as far as um you know uh, guys who were not drafted look they signed a bunch of guys right they signed a bunch of of stopgap uh special teams players and it's going to come from there I, I it it just has to uh you know look like i said they can, you cannot address everything uh that is not something they d- addressed in my mind in any kind of great detail uh or any kind of great Depth right there, and so uh, will there be a few guys who shake out along the summer from other teams? Yes, but that's you're trading your your problem for somebody else's problem. Um, It's 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 like I said. I think it's going to be a lot on James Betcher's plate to say we like your scheme, we like your brain. Um, You know, this is not on paper a dominant eleven-man defense across the board. Uh, You're going to have to make it work in concert with us having the ball more time of possession things like that hopefully having a lead we're going to try to get you in good situations on defense now you have to try to figure it out maybe with Less than ideal personnel.
1: You know, Paul, I had said the same thing about the corners going into the draft. I thought they would be able to get a value corner at some point who would provide some more promising depth. You're looking at at this depth chart now, and you're seeing B.W. Webb, Teddy Williams, uh, of course Dante Dion's there, Curtis Riley, Brandon Dixon. You know, these guys are like coming out of of an apple cart, and you have no idea if any of these guys will emerge to be productive, reliable players. But then again, if you want to take the positive viewpoint, when they made the deal to get Ross Cockrell, who was about to get cut by the Steelers last year, I don't think that many people gave him a chance to be a significant contributor,
2: and he turned out to be a pretty good player. True. Look, you have to hit on a few guys, not to be superstars, but to be good third and fourth cornerbacks. And, you know, we, all, we often get um, criticized for focusing in on one player too often. Odell, Eli, Eli Apple. But you know what? How much of this defense is going to revolve around Eli Apple being a first-round cornerback and being a good player? They have not thrown him out, which was the smart thing to do. Right. Um, you know it, it was he 's an athletic big, strong uh, cornerback. I defy anyone who saw him in training camp last year uh, did not say. Wow, this guy looks bigger and stronger, and he should be really good. I mean, no at this doubt. point last year, yeah. the signs pointed up for Eli Apple, mm-hmm. and it all went haywire. The Giants are hoping that everything went haywire last year, and it was just one of those things with Janoris, with DRC, who's no longer there, with you know a, a sub less than great play from Landon Collins after his great year two years ago, and Eli Apple. Look. Uh, I don't know if this is his strike three on him, but it's getting close. You know, he's he's 0-2 in the batter's box now, and, uh, you know, he can only foul off pitches for so long. So he has to become a a good player, the kind of player the old regime envisioned, or else this thing's not going to work.
1: Paul, there's no question that the depth of cornerback is a significant issue, but I'm almost a tad surprised that you didn't name the right tackle spot when John asked you the question of concern, because you really don't know, nor do I, nor does John, nor does probably anybody in the building, exactly what's going to happen to Eric Flowers. Nobody truly knows right now what he's going to be doing the first week of September of this coming
0: year, well, I don't think we. I mean, we'll see if he's here when mandatory minicamp comes in June. But even that he won't be. be a
1: guarantee right. that he's going to be opening day starter week number one. Oh, yeah. uh, so, competition. So, what does your crystal ball tell you? Is Eric Flowers starting for this team at right tackle week one, or do you suspect it's going to be Chad Wheeler? Do you think it might be
2: somebody else? What's your take? Well, I, I mean, I didn't mention that just because when you want a whole overview, I mean, I think. Four of the five spots on the offensive line are in pretty good shape. So, yeah. look, if, if you if you do this interview with 31 other beat writers for their teams, I, I defy any of them to say all five spots on the offensive line are golden. You know, I have no <laughs> concerns about any of them. Um, uh, looking into my crystal ball, I don't see how this is going to work with Eric Flowers. Um, uh, first of all, just the fact that he has not been a... a Reliable. I mean, he's been reliable as far as physically being on the field, but he has not been a good player at left tackle for three years. To think he's going to make an adjustment to the right side, even if he was willing, and his you know a, a, a you know sound body and mind to say I'm going to embrace this and move to the right side with all his technique issues on the left side, which is his side of comfort. Now moving him to the right side, I think, was a question mark. Now you put the very questionable mental aspect of this, where he is basically, as a competitor, caving in and, and, and being upset that he's being moved and not embracing it and not really having the understanding of what this means in his career to go over to that side and show that he can play right tackle and then move on in free agency for a team that wants to sign him to one of the two tackle spots. I mean, to me, it's mind boggling. Uh, you know, he has an agent now, which is a good thing, I suppose. Uh, so, no, I, I cannot envision him being the starter of day one because of either just just the ability to do it on the field mentally. Look, you have to mentally be into it to do it, and he's certainly not. And if he comes in grudgingly, um, the guy's got an attitude that, that I would not want to invest a lot of money in right now. So, no, I do not see this all lining up and him playing well enough to win that job in the summer. Um, I think by default it's Chad Wheeler. Um, I don't know if there's anybody on the roster who can do it at this point. Uh, this do they pick up someone? Uh, probably not in the summer. Look, it's a position that they're going to have to. Um, I would think that Red Ellison and uh, uh, Jarrell Adams will find a lot of time occupied next to the right tackle this season. Uh,
0: Paul, how about the offensive line in general? Because I think it's an interesting dichotomy. I don't think anyone would argue that the line's not better. Nate Soldier is probably better than any player that was on the line last year. You draft guy like Will Hernandez, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure I, you know, pile this group in with you know the the Cowboys, the Titans, the Raiders, and you know offensive lines like that. So what's the expectation here? You know, because I think a lot of people are excited. Saquon Barkley is going to come in, generational back, 1,500 yards. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Eli's going to be sitting back there for six seven seconds to throw the ball. Uh, what do you think the level of expectation is now? for this group that the Giants have assembled on the offensive line?
2: I think the expectation is to be a good offensive line. Good. Um, uh, And and then anything better than that is, is, you know, something we'll have to see develop. Look, Will Hernandez, you know, we're all penciling him as a starting right guard, which I imagine he will be. But let's
0: remember, Chris... Uh, what's that? I said maybe left. Who knows? It depends how they move him in Omaha. Yes, around. yes. Yeah.
2: But I mean, a starting guard. Correct. Now, now, let's remember Chris Snee did not. Was a starting guard from day one, but he was not the finished product as a rookie as right. he was good in year. So, look, we have to expect there be some growing pains on a guy who's coming from a, a UTEP team to finish 0 and 12 last year. Um, as much as, we, as the Giants love him, big, strong, nasty, physical—you um, know—all these things, he will probably develop into a very good player, but. On day one against Jacksonville, is he going to be a dominating guard? Probably not. Good point. So Yeah, I mean, I think it's a work in progress with this line, but they're going from such depths of despair with this line <laughs> that, that, that we didn't say they have to be the Cowboys' offensive line. Okay. We're saying, can, can, they be the, can they be from 12 to 18 yeah. offensive lines right. with Eli Manning being a smart, savvy quarterback, with – very good weapons on the outside, and now Saquon Barkley, they can be a very good offense. Um, you know, they, you can't be the worst offensive line in the league or in the top two or three, and they shouldn't be anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: No, they, yes, they have to be as close to the median. Yeah, be, as yeah. possible, which, as you said, Paul, to me, somewhere in that 15 vicinity would be perfectly fine for them, and they can function and be what they want to be as a football team. Yeah,
0: will they be good enough to let the offense function the way Shermer wants it to function? That's, that's what you're looking for. That's it. Yeah. Will now,
2: there be things that they can rely on? That's all. Not as far as lining up and dominating. Okay, that's probably not going to happen. Right. Certainly not right away, but can they rely on the left tackle being left out on an island. Okay, well, in years past, they could not. Now they hope they can be. Now you can slide your protection to the other side. There are just things play. that you have to rely on that, you know, 80% of the time work. And then you have an offense you can build around. Well, Paul, and that really shows
1: itself <clears throat> big time in when you're trying to run a four-minute offense. I mean, no, no part of the playbook is more further exposed <clears throat> than the four-minute offense when your offensive line is a mess. And the Giants think they've improved the running game with Barkley. They believe they've improved the offensive line with the moves we've made. So, therefore, that four-minute offense should suddenly become a new chapter in the playbook again where they actually have an opportunity to hold
2: on to a lead and do something with the clock, which they haven't been able to do for a while. Well, and what is what is who is the greatest proponent of the four-minute offense? It is James Betcher, okay? Mm-hmm. Because because now his defensive guys are standing on a sideline and he's talking to them, saying, "Guys, we got to be ready. We got to make a you know one last stand here. We got to make one last stand. You guys be ready." And they're all nodding their heads. And meanwhile, Barkley's getting three, and then Jonathan uh, Stewart's getting four, and then Barkley's getting three, and then there's another first down, and then Betcher's going, "Guys, okay, we got to be ready. We got to be ready." And someone's saying. Coach, look up. There's 30 seconds to go in the game. Not getting <laughs> back on the field. That exactly, is what a good team does. And so, yes, I think this is all part of the plan for the Giants. If, if you know, they're thinking if we could not solidify the back end of the defense, if we could not get a stud pass rusher, you know, we traded JPP. We know that could maybe weaken us in the short term, just as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. That now we can play that kind of. You know, chemistry, football, where we don't have to throw the defense out there for three series in the fourth quarter and say, bail us out.
0: And Paul, and we're joined by Paul Schwartz in the New York Post. And, Paul, the other thing that kind of drove me nuts a little bit, and I understand there are reasons for it over the last, I don't know, two, three years... The Giants stopped stopped being a big play offense, um, especially in balls thrown down the field. Odell would turn some slants into long runs and scores and all that stuff. But I always felt Eli Manning's greatest strength wasn't the fact that he was always the same guy every series or every week in, week out. You know, one week he'd look bad, and the next week he'd look great. But he would always make... Big plays and big throws. And I felt like he wasn't put in a situation enough the last couple years where he could make those big throws down the field to make big plays. And if you you talk to the analytic guys, big plays win games. And the Giants have been near the bottom of the league and plays over 20 yards the last two or three years. Do you think with the help on the offensive line, the arrival of Saquon Barkley, a a new offense under Pat Shermer, this Giants team can go back to making some big plays through the air, something that I think has been sorely lacking?
2: Well, they're going to have to because, that's, as you mentioned, that's what Eli does best. Look, I talked to Eli the other day at at an event and um, mentioned the the play-action pass. And he said, you know, Eli doesn't rip anybody or anything. And he said, well, yeah, the last couple of years it was, um, you know, I forget what he said exactly, but you can tell he was thinking yeah, no kidding. The last couple of years it was irrelevant the play action pass because when I turned around and and did the play fake, the defense was like yawning, you know, saying, "No, we're not buying that you're going to hand the ball to this guy because this guy's not going to get any yards against us." So, you know, the, uh, Eli has always been a very good downfield thrower as you said. There's no question about it. And and look, under Ben McAdoo with, with the failings of the offensive line, this was literally Get the ball to Odell and hope he breaks one and and yeah. and you know it's just no it's no way to run an offense and and um you know as much as everyone wanted to run Ben McAdoo out of town and he didn't do himself a lot of favors as you know it was you know pretty much football malpractice what what the offensive line turned into with Ben McAdoo as the head coach. I defy anyone to run a cohesive offense knowing you have to. Do so much to mitigate against pressure, against um, you know looking down the field, against holding the ball for long. I mean, really, it was not um, it was not an NFL caliber offensive line certainly last year. And um, yeah, the big play should be back. And then once Odell went out, it was there was basically no offense to to watch at all.
1: Paul, in honor of Jeff Feagles, I want to turn the conversation to special teams because the Giants' special teams last year. Did not fare very well at all. And that is an understatement. I think we are all aware of that. How do you think this is going to shake out? Do you think Rosas will win the job again for the second year in a row and kind of turn around some of his misfortune? I mean, I'm sure we all believe a veteran's going to be brought in over the summer to at least compete with him. Uh, They went and got a punter, okay, a veteran punter from Denver, so I'm sure they probably believe he's the right guy or they wouldn't have made the trade for him. And then, of course, there's the return game. Which I don't know is Sterling Shepard right now the most accomplished punt returner they have probably is Hunter Sharp maybe the most accomplished kick returner on this roster probably
2: where where do you see that going except for Saquon Barkley <laughs> yeah right if you're going to do that yeah I like the question um, to Sharma when he was asked you know Saquon had a you know a 98 or 100 yard Kickoff return for Penn State. What do you think of using him there? And and, and Shermer was like, um, thinking, let me think of a delicate way to say this. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not going to be returning kickoffs. Now, you know what? If they're down by a touchdown right. and, you know, getting the ball, then maybe you have uh, Odell and Saquon lined up back and uh, you hope the guy doesn't kick it out of the end zone and maybe you try it there. But, no, you know, look, I mean, I think the special teams right now is an unquestioned um, Huge question, Mark. Huge. Um, Do I think uh, Aldrick Rosas is going to be the starting kicker on uh, opening day? I would bet against it. You know, I mean, he had a a, a shaky rookie year, as you would expect. Um, He's a a fastball pitcher. You know, he's got a great arm. He's got a great leg. He can kick the heck out of the ball, but he's not very consistent. Uh, There were some very troubling signs last year. Um, I think he's a good guy. You know, is he mentally tough? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. He didn't show great mental toughness last year, um, but he was a rookie. And, and you know, and 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 I think you guys would agree with me if the Giants were, you know, nine and five, nine and six, heading down the stretch, they would have replaced him with a more reliable kicker and, and said, look, we can't have this guy costing us games. But the logical. season went so haywire that it didn't matter. Uh, they they just figured let's just stick with him and see what he could do. Um, you know, the punter. Um, you know, do I? You know, he he was a very so-so punter in two years at Denver. Do I think he's going to be the punter? I'm not sure about that. I think if he has a couple of bad days in the summer or in the preseason, they'll sign somebody else. So, uh, as you mentioned, the return game. There's nothing proven right there right now. Um, I think it's it's something that there is going to be a fascinating is as as fascinating as special teams can be in the summer. I think this will be uh, fascinating because I think kicker punter. Punt return, kick return are all open right now. You know
1: what's funny, though, Paul? Excuse me, John, before you get to those numbers on Barkley. You know, the thing about it is hardly anybody really talks about that, and the bottom line is this team is not going to be good enough to just blow people away, especially with some of the questions we've talked about on the depth chart.
0: So field position is going to be
1: huge, and so are getting points every time you're in scoring range. You're not going to be able to to deal with a missed 43-yard field goal that's going to leave you empty on that offensive trip. That's going to be very painful for this team. They can't afford those, those things. The margin of error is going to be very slim, Paul,
2: don't you think? Well, at this point, at this point, it has to be a huge question mark. And if you're saying is it a positive or a negative right now, it's a negative. There's no question. I mean, you can't just assume it's going to be good. There's a new coordinator. He's he's likely mentioned that there could be a new punter. There's going to be a new kicker. Oh, there will be a new punter. I mean, it could be even another new one. Uh, right, the days of saying we have, you know, fegals and – Tynes. We have Weatherford and Tynes. You know the, the years of, of thinking. You know we pretty much we have Dominic Hickson as a return guy. Um, you know maybe not great but pretty good, we, reliable. We have we know what we have there. Uh, those days are not here right now. There's no question about it. So that is something that this coaching staff is going to have to get right this summer and and do they have to be the best in the league no but you have to be good there's no question Mm -hmm. about it you cannot rely on lousy kicking and lousy punting and uh, guys dropping the ball on on punt returns, you know, I, you know, things. It's mitigated. This, you know, obviously, kickoff returns are not the the issues that they were because right. of the new rules sure. and things like that. We know that punters do a much better job usually of getting the ball to the boundaries or kicking it out of bounds. It's not what it once was, but you know, as what Bill Parcells always said, you can't take the foot out of football. It, it, there will be games that will mm-hmm. be won and lost with it, and and right now. They are, to be kind, work in progress.
0: Paul, uh, Paul Tatino here put me on the spot yesterday, had me come up with some over-under num, over numbers for Saquon Barkley <laughs> in his rookie season with the Giants. I'm going to throw out some numbers to me. You tell me if you think he's going to go over or under these numbers, okay? Sure. Now, obviously the first, the
2: most important over-under is games played, but I guess we're assuming he's going to be playing a good chunk of the yes, year.
0: So, yes. Okay. I, <laughs> go for 16. For, for, for everyone's <laughs> sake, let's assume 16 games. Uh, will he have more or less of, or than 270 carries? You see, now you're going to make me go to a calculator.
2: Okay, Paul, <laughs> uh, I can and,
0: tell you, I, because I did the math myself, that equals, I believe that was 17 carries per game. That's what you game. said.
2: 17 rushing attempts per game? Yes.
0: Um, I will say under. Okay. Um, how about 1,190 yards? That came out to around 4.4 4 yards per carry on the 270 carries over the course of the year.
2: Rushing, right? What yes. did you say? 11 what? 1190.
0: 11.90. Over. Okay. So you're going to go over 4.5 on the rushing average. Six rushing touchdowns. Over. Okay. Now the receptions, and I think this is where it gets tricky. It gets real tricky. Sixty-eight.
2: The ca- over/under should be the over/under for receptions should be about ninety. No, okay, I'm am <laughs> kidding. Okay, go ahead. Sixty-eight catches. Sixty-eight divided by sixteen equals four point two five. Um, I will bet Paul Bettino's salary that it's over.
0: Okay. Wow. By the way, that is not that expensive of a bet, just FYI. (laughs) That might get Uh, you a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And then 675 receiving
3: yards. Uh, Let's...
2: Okay. Let's see. Let me just do a little thing. If I six seventy five, I say about. Don't feel bad. This is exactly what I did yesterday. Oh, this is like like my accountant. You know, I say it's um, it's a gut feel. All right, right, you're going to be banging through the nose, son. No, that. Um, I would say that's a lot of yards, but. that's 10 yards a carry with about 65. I'm going to say over, though. I mean, Okay. This guy is, they didn't draft this guy to sit, and, and this is the new age running back. They're going to throw to him a lot. That's why I said under with the rushing attempts, because I don't yep. think they're going to, they have other guys who can do that. You know, you can throw Wayne Goldman in for a series. Um, you know, so I, I think mm-hmm. under 18 rushing attempts is certainly something that could happen, but um, they're going to throw this. You know, he's a three-down back, so first down, second down, third down, check down, mm-hmm. uh, any down, he, they're going to be thrown him the ball. So I, I like his, um, his um, you know, rushing numbers to be very high, his, okay, uh, so, his uh, pass-catching numbers.
0: Got it. So then in total, basically. Well, touchdowns, and, touchdowns. Oh, yeah, and four receiving touchdowns.
1: Yeah, sure, over. Over. Why not? All right, okay. So yeah. basically, <laughs> basically, so so you
0: think he'll have more than ten touchdowns from scrimmage. Is you had over on both touchdowns. That's right, you did. and you had over on both rushing yards and receiving yards. So you think he's going to have, uh, Paul? You you think he's probably going to have two thousand yards from scrimmage then, right? Give or take. If you have him over twelve hundred um, yards, I would
2: say I would say under two thousand, but not a lot under. I would say um, eighteen hundred. Okay, so Paul. Yeah, goes, I mean that. This fair. is assuming he's going to play all the time. Of course, time. yeah. Of course. I mean, look, I mean, this is this is generational running backs. They're yeah. not. Um, yeah. Are not coddled. You know what I mean? And and and. Um, you know, running backs don't need to. They don't need a lot of uh, uh, you know, growing space. They can they can flourish right away. This guy can flourish right away.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what's funny, Paul? I, I had him for about seventeen hundred total yards from scrimmage. So we're really not yeah. all, we're that all that far off. We're on the same off. ballpark. I for we're somewhat in the same ballpark. And you know, when when the the people at the combine started throwing around pro comparisons and they were saying Marshall Falk. Thurman Thomas, Roger Craig. Roger Craig. Mm-hmm. I mean, Craig's not in the Hall of Fame, right? But but the other two guys are, and and Lord knows if if he is anything like those guys for a decade, I think the Giants will be very happy. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, I mean, and look, the, the word you just said is the word a decade. Yeah, and and that was a big knock on a running back, right? Right. Is that. He's he's going to be great for five six years and that's it. You know what I mean? We can take a defensive player; he can he'd be great for a decade or more, which you know is, I mean, statistically correct. But who the heck knows? You know what I mean? Who the heck knows who's going to be durable and who's not going to be? You know, it doesn't. There's no mathematical formula that can tell you that. But I'll tell you one thing: you know, he's 233 pounds. Marshall Falk on his best day, you know. It, it was was 210 pounds yeah, or something. Right. you so, um, You know, it, it, look, I mean, it all adds up. It, you know, if you spit out the numbers in a computer for what you want, it will spit out Saquon Barkley. Um, will it work? It should. Nobody knows, but. Um, you know, it's gonna, you're going to have to convince me why this guy's not going to be a really, really terrific player. That, All right. you know, you're going to you know, you're gonna have to give me, and, and I, don't, I don't think anyone can even say that. The whole question is, is he going to be great, and is he going to be durable? And that we yeah. don't know yet.
1: Paul, final question for me, and I've got to throw this out there, because I know you and I probably had more respect for Tiki Barber and his skill set than anybody in the New York media. Will he, by the time he is done... Will Saquon Barkley match Tiki Barber's numbers for this franchise? And again, to refresh you, we're talking over 10,000 yards rushing. We're talking over 5,000 yards receiving. We're talking over 575 career receptions. By the time Barkley's done, will he have Tiki Barber-like career numbers for the Giants?
2: It's funny, I asked Tiki about this before the draft, and Tiki is a big Saquon Barkley guy, yeah. big Saquon Barkley guy. And he said, oh, yeah, he'll, he'd, he'd, you know, I said, because he, he said the Giants should take Barkley, there's no question about it. And I said, you know, your records are going to go, like he said, well, so be it. He's going to break my records, you know. Um, um, well, a couple things, Tiki played 10 years, right? Yep. And yep. he was healthy and played 10 years, so that's a great,
1: you Well, know, it wasn't full-time Barkley, for all those years. But, but remember the that. first
2: four or five years of his career, yeah. he was a, I wouldn't say a part-time back, but he was a third-down back. He was in a rotation. You know, his Hall of Fame-type credentials happened at the back end of his career. And he quit early. It's not going to be a soft landing for Saquon. He's going to be jump right in. So if he plays a decade, he will shatter Tiki Barber's record.
0: And, and Paul, finally, I guess I should mention this before we say goodbye, and and, and, uh, thank you for giving us all the time today. Um, Rookie minicamp tomorrow. uh, I'm going to burst a bunch of fans' bubbles and tell them, four, five, six of the draft class, or four, six of the draft class, really not going to be able to see anything. You know, linebacker that can't hit, an offensive lineman that can't block (laughs) anybody, a defensive lineman that can't tackle anybody. You aren't going to see much out of these guys, all right? Uh, You can see him run around, whoop-dee-doo. But, you know, Barkley running around, and I think, to me, Kyle Ouellette is the exciting guy to see his arm in person, you know, to see how he throws the football. What are you most looking forward to for our rookie minicamp next couple days?
2: Well, you're right. I mean, you know, how many times have we seen gone to training camp and, and gone to these camps and you see the running back? Man, this guy looks good. This guy looks good, right? And it's yeah. like, yeah, well, they're brave. There's nobody wearing any pads and they're running around and, you know, they look good. And then, uh, then the, you know, the scrimmage comes and it's like, oh, man, this guy's not quite what we thought he was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean look, I, I'm anxious. I mean, this, this day is always a very interesting day just to see those guys in the uniform, to see them. Uh, look, it's more interesting to see them when the veterans, you know, for the veteran camp, certainly. But just seeing them, uh, you know, seeing Saquon make a cut, seeing him up close and personal. And, yeah, Kyle Letter will certainly be a guy um you know, I've seen him on TV. Uh, he broke my heart two years in a row playing for Richmond against my Albany Great Danes. Um, he, you know, uh, Kyle Oletta played a total of five overtimes the last two years against Albany. Okay, <laughs> and so uh, I mean they, they had uh, crazy games, and he always found a way to beat them. And uh, so I'm anxious to see, just see the size of him up close because I, I, you know he, he's not a big guy. You yeah. know, and I want to see like how does he look? Does he look big? Does he look strong with the arm? I mean, he's a savvy guy, but as look as we all know as savvy as he's going to be he doesn't know the playbook yet he's going to be throwing to guys who probably know less of the playbook than he does (laughs) and being protected by guys who know even less of the playbook than any of them so um (laughs) you know it's a mess but um paul i'm worried
1: about you running onto the field trying to intercept him that's what i'm worried about in the name of albany's defense you're going to try to pick off one of his passes
2: Look, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to shake his hand and say, "Nice to meet you." And say, um, "I've rooted against you every time I've ever seen you on TV. Every time I've seen you on my laptop." So, uh, you know, that's um, that's you know, Uh yeah, we he's going to have to prove himself to me, okay? Because my first reaction of him is being a a good quarterback at that level who um, who ticked me off twice.
0: Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it, Paul. All right, guys. take see care. you tomorrow. We'll see you, see you tomorrow. Paul Schwartz in the New York Post. A couple of things I took <laughs> out of that. The way he talked about Algy Grossas, he's like the Dylan Batansis. Of the New York Giants. Wow, that's
1: pretty good. Big fastball,
0: but maybe a little bit erratic. That's you don't know what you're good. gonna get sometimes. So that's, that was the comparison that popped into my head. By for the that. way, we're both huge Yankees fans, yes. so I can relate to what you're saying. And actually, actually, I'm a, I'm a bigger Batanzas fan than most people. So I think I. he's actually been better than people give him credit I for agree. this year. But, um, that, that's one thing that popped in my head. Number two, though, wow. Let is not the biggest guy. Um, he's tall. Mm-hmm. But he's slender. He's not, you know, I think that's probably what he doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't have the biggest frame in the world. So mm-hmm. I think seeing him in an outdoor setting, and, you know, you don't get a good feel for a guy, and even the evaluators say this, you want to see the guy throw in person, and it kind of gives you a different feel yeah. for what his ball looks and even sounds like as it cuts through the wind and kind of look at, you know, how he spins it and things like that. So for me, rookie minicamp, I want to see Loletta, and to me, that's the most, you know, really. Uh, biggest impression that will be made on me because you really can't hit anybody. So. Well,
1: the interesting part about what you said a moment ago of Loretta and his arm is that the weather is expected to be very good, as it has been most of the week. And so he won't be uh, indoctrinated to the infamous Meadowlands wins as many kickers and quarterbacks uh, usually have to experience when they get here
0: to play for the Giants. All right, let's get to the calls. 201-939-4513. Mike in Long Island waited through that whole interview. God bless you, Mike. Thank you very much for being part of the show. You have plenty of time. Go ahead.
4: Hey, guys. How you
0: doing? Doing Great. Well. Hey, Hey, um, I want to say something about
4: Loretta and then I have a Barkley and Odell prediction. Sure. Um, Barkley, I have 1,113 rushing and eight rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. and then three receiving touchdowns. And then three hundred forty-eight receiving yards
0: with two seventy carries. I I would increase your receiving yards a little bit. I think you're a little wow. bit on the low end, but yeah. I but I think your other numbers are pretty much where I thought they would be. Fair okay, enough.
4: So I total that's like fourteen hundred fifty-one yards and eleven touchdowns. You know I don't know
5: how often do you get to lie
4: on the running game now? that We finally have one. You know, we have Ingram Shepherd. I've got look at all these toys Eli has. I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: Well, here's the thing. Last year, Shermer ran it 50% of the time with uh, Minnesota. Sure so did. I would expect the Giants will run the ball plenty. As long as that line holds
1: up and proves that they could do it, right. I think they'll try to get that ground game going. Okay.
4: Okay. Well, I'm very I'm very excited about the offensive line. I won in a long but, you know, we got full I was happy with. I'm happy with what went in there. Shout
5: out to him for following me on
4: Instagram. Thank you, Willie. Um, you know, here's an interesting stat. Five of the last six years in the NFC East, the team that finished last in the you know, division, mm-hmm. turned it around, and won its next mm-hmm. year.
6: You're in right. 2012.
4: I mean, we're new, right? It's cr- <laughs> <in the> division.
0: <laughs> hey, Mike, uh, your uh, phone line's falling out a little bit. So, it, it, if if you have a little letter question, get it now, and then Paul will answer both of them for you. Okay.
5: All right. Um,
0: um,
4: well, but I, you know, people question his arm strength. I saw a highlight yesterday. He threw, he threw a couple fifty-yard bombs on the field. It was that. It was complete. You know, the ball in the air. I mean, people question his arm strength. I'm not worried. It's not like you have to have a Josh Allen on to see me in a fella,
0: right? No, look, look, Mike, Mike, Mike. I agree. And uh thanks for the call. Your your phone line's dying there on us. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he's a good enough arm to play in the NFL. But does he have um a good as arm as? You know, some of the guys in the league that have the better arms. No, he doesn't, but that's fine. You can, you can play with that. And yeah, he can throw an accurate deep ball, but I saw plenty of things on film where he underthrew deep yeah. balls. It wasn't accurate on deep balls. So that's something he's going to have to work on. Nobody's a perfect prospect, especially someone you get in the fourth round, okay?
1: Yeah, well, you know, when people throw Chad Pennington's name out, they say he was a guy who didn't have a real strong NFL arm. And I think Loletta's
0: a better arm than Pennington.
1: And, and I think he does too. Yeah. Because I think Loretta, I've seen him do it, and you're right, John. It's it's not always on the mark, but when it is, he can throw a very nice 55-yard sure toss. Sure and, and he can hit it on a dime. Sure he can. Um But here's my bigger problem for the arm strength, and there's only one way to combat it. When you're talking about the 15, the 20-yard out, you're talking about you got to zip that sucker, and the DB is anticipating the throw, and he can't wait to jump that route, and if you don't have enough mustard on it, he's going to get there and take it the other way for six. To me, it's those short tightrope throws, those laser beam throws.
0: Intermediate, not short. Intermediate throws. Short to intermediate. Well, I would say anything over ten yards is, is intermediate. In okay, my opinion. yeah, that's yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um,
1: that to me is where the arm strength becomes more dangerous. Now, there's yeah, one way. That. That, there's one way you can combat that, there, and there's only one way to combat that besides accuracy, anticipation. That is with timing. Yeah, timing and anticip timing anticipation slash. No, same thing. It's, it's same the same thing. Thing. same thing slash timing anticipation. That is the only way you can combat the lack of zip on a medium range ball. And succeed without getting yourself picked off. But that means your receiver
0: and your QB yep. have to be totally in symmetry. Which, at a rookie minicamp, generally speaking, won't happen. You're probably not going to have that. <laughs> because the basically, here's what happens these guys come in, they say, Hi, I'm Kyle. Nice to meet you, receiver number 12. Um,. <laughs> I'm going to throw you some passes now, okay? <laughs> Let's hope we figure this out quickly. <laughs> that's ba- that's basically how this goes. It is, unless by some miracle, some wide receiver from Richmond is is ends up being on the rookie minicamp roster. Well, who knows? Which I, who knows? But I, you know, or, or if we throw with him at some uh, off-season camp, whatever. Yeah. Odds are he's going to have to learn these guys pretty quick, and you know, it's hard to anticipate that sort of stuff. Uh, Joe in Pennsylvania, he's up next. Joe, you're on Big Blue Kickoff Live. How are you?
5: Hey, good. Uh... I just look, and you know, these guys are talking about you know what we need and how many questions. But that, that goes on everywhere. Look at New England this year; how many players they lose again, and they'll be they'll be all right, you know.
0: Uh, and look I'm, at their division. <laughs> That's why they'll be all right. And hey, and hey. by the way, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick kinda helped hey. that too, by the way. Look, yeah. at,
5: look at last year, all the questions the Eagles had with their defensive backs. I still don't know who they have on the defensive backs besides their safeties. And I'm I'm saying you look where we're where we're at in our record last year, three and eleven, but we gave the Eagles they're the Super Bowl champions, everything in both games. Yeah, well, I the Eagles know.
0: weren't really trying in that last game, though, either. Uh, they didn't have anything to play for. Yeah, so.
5: They weren't trying. We had they, guys uh, off the street that was bur- making their backfield look sick. I know. Eli Manning and they, and they he did. And I don't care what. And there was the same guys in the defensive backfield that uh, started in the Super Bowl and everything else. They, they
1: may not have had all the gusto that, that, that another uh, team gusto, may have had. Them, but, but here's what I'm – Joe, Joe, here I'm, I'm going to agree with you for the most part. I believe that the Giants – showed how vulnerable the Eagles can be. And Eli had his two best games against Philadelphia, I mean, and certainly Gettleman and Shermer were well aware of well, that. I mean, it wasn't just the Giants. I'm the Patriots did have 600 yards of offense
5: against them. Last year we went 90% of the time, I think, uh, three wide receivers. Would you say that's about correct? And I'm just wondering about how many this year we'd go two tight ends. <laughs> What percentage of it? I'm I hope a lot.
0: Uh, last year, I think I think single back 12, 11 personnel last year was probably around seventy percent, sixty to seventy. Say, I was going to say probably around in that 70. area. I would say. Um, I, I would think more double tight end this year, but honestly, Joe, we haven't seen enough to be able to to, to tell you. Well, we're just guessing. Well,
5: I I would think it's only it would only be uh, whatever with if we're going to want to really run the ball, like they said. I I would think you know and go play action. That's the key, and uh, you you really don't have to worry as much as people are worried about the third wide receiver because Ingram uh, and uh, uh, Barkley along – with Beckham and that, I mean, they, they can really make um, mismatches because I don't think the two safeties are going to be, when against us, are going to be playing real deep anymore. I think they'll be coming up, especially if we go two tight end. wouldn't you think Yeah, but so? Joe,
0: remember this too, you don't have to play two tight ends to run the ball. I mean, the... I understand the, that. The, uh, can, Joey, you let you me answer your question,
5: up, but... uh I I just think it's a, it's, it's a not. good thing, and you can break them out now I and then. Ingram the White answer. is right; you can or Barkley, you know. And no, but Joe, my point is
0: one of the best running teams in football last year. Um, or the last couple of years at Dallas Cowboys, they ran 11 personnel more than any other formation. And they yeah. still had the best running team in the league. So it, uh, there is an argument out there that it actually hurts you to put bigger personnel in the, in the game to run because the other team can go to their base defense. If you're an 11 personnel, you're forcing the defense to take a linebacker off the field, and you're dealing with five defensive backs. So it's an easier formation to run against. So I wouldn't get obsessed with personnel packages based on how you run the ball. The offensive line's got to block, okay? And the one tight end in the game's yeah. got to block. It doesn't matter if there's one or two of them on the field.
1: You know, the interesting yeah. thing, Joe, if you go in two tight ends – it's not your old traditional two-tight end anyway because what you could do is put Ellison on the line and you could put Ingram in the slot heck, or put him heck, as an H-back. Heck, you could put Ellison in the you backfield know, if you want. You could want. do that, oh, too. That, and that, So you could right. run a ton of different styles of formation point. having two tight ends on the field.
0: So you could have the same personnel but different formations with that person. I think
1: that's where Shermer's going to make
0: his money. I agree 100%. I'm with you.
5: Right. And, and on the defensive side, I want to say something. I, I really think this year we have some linebackers – that, that can be play all over the field and uh, th- that can cover the, the tight One. ends a little bit more. And I think that'll make a big difference in, in the defense. So uh, that's all I want to say. Thanks for Thank taking my Joe. call. Thank you, Appreciate
0: you calling okay. on us always, my friend. I mean, uh, the only real. Ogletree's a three down backer. We don't even know who the other nickel linebacker is right now. Well, you think it's B.J. Goodson, but they're not handing him that job. Well, he's got to stay healthy first. Well, yeah, and he has to show that he can cover.
1: So, so Joe, I don't know if I totally am on board with you on that point because right now Ogletree is the only proven three-down backer on this team. How about this one, Paul?
0: What if you go 11 personnel and you split Barkley out wide and you empty empty set in 11 personnel? I said
1: that to you yesterday.
0: Huh? You asked me about that. You said empty set. I said I could see some Well, no, I just meant in 11 personnel. You mentioned the formation of oh, versatility yeah. in 11. That's well, another different thing you can no do. No doubt. I, I, again,
1: I think, I think what Shermer should be able to do with this team is – use a lot especially if they're gonna go with some of that hurry up stuff. Yeah. Which he does yeah.
0: do. And Barkley and Ingram just give you a lot of versatility in how you line up. All them of a up. sudden and, it's and like, Ellison.
1: And isn't that isn't that in a way in a way, isn't that exactly the opposite of Betcher? When Betcher has linebackers playing stand up defensive end, he's got safeties yeah. playing linebacker on the other side of the ball, that's what Shermer's gonna do. And by the
0: way, you can have Ingram in the slot, Shepard outside. Shepard in the slot, Ingram outside. Heck, you can even put Odell in the slot if you want. There's a million different things you can do.
1: That's what I see. I see see a very fluid offense and a very fluid defense where – the traditional personal, uh, personnel positions will not be in play here.
0: Well, We'll see how they do it. Again, this is all conjecture from Paul and I. We saw a little bit in, in, in voluntary mini camp, Not and, nearly enough. And we did see some empty <laughs> backfield stuff, which is what I brought up yesterday. Yeah. But, again, guys, this is just us kind of thinking and, you know, Paul at home not sleeping at night on his yellow legal oh, pad. You know, drawing out formations, which – I don't know that he does, but I I, I kind of in, sometimes in, in my imagination. He, sometimes he, he he has a he has a full pad at home with a bunch of plays with like Paul Patino oh, names like they're all named after Springsteen songs or something like that, <laughs> or like quotes from The Godfather, <laughs> and that is the Paul Patino playbook. <laughs> this is the uh, Pepperoni Pizza, you know. Uh, this kiss. is the. Oh, this is Alida cannoli. I can't say I've
1: <laughs> named them that, but I probably should. I have I do have a bunch of diagrams though, on my desk at home. That wow. is true. It,
0: that is a frightening place to be. <laughs> uh let's go to Jay all the way down in Oklahoma. Jay, what's going on, pal? How are you, man? Thanks for joining the show. We appreciate you calling in.
6: Hey, thanks. Hey guys. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. I listen to you all the time Thank and you. the We're information glad. you guys put out is amazing. Appreciate it. But I am the voice of reason. <laughs> Okay. For for what's going on? Look, I am a Jersey guy living in Cowgirl Country, and now I can walk outside with my head held high because of what's going on. Think about it. You got to play couple of games first. (laughs) A couple months ago, we were in the dark days. People need to sit back, take a breath, pump the brakes. Enjoy the moment we're in. Like I said, a couple months ago, we were in the dark days. The organization, what do they do? They go out, get A. Even though he's from Boston, he has the (laughs) New York attitude. He comes in there, he's unapologetic for anything he does. He he stands, He's. he has the courage of his conviction. I and Uncle Dave, I trust everybody. Calm down. Look, he brought in play leaders on every level of the team. If you really look at it, with he's that type of uncle that he he's not rich, but he knows how to manage his money. He he brought in people that you know none of them are expensive, but they fit what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the culture. He's like, bring in this player, bring in this player. We don't have the money. We still have to sign the draft picks. We got these undrafted free agents still out there. There's people going to be cut. Mm -hmm. Everybody calm down and enjoy the moment before it's gone. Jay, I agree. Jay, I agree.
0: I'm sorry, great. I just want to give you a little unsolicited advice, okay? As someone Mm -hmm. who has gone watch Yankee games at Fenway Park, I understand the concept of being in enemy territory. I get it. Remember, Uh, the second game of the season, there's a pretty important game down in Dallas. You might want to just wait to see what happens in that game before you start talking too much. No. Just trying to help you. You
6: you know what, John? I have a Dodge Ram 1500 with an Odell Beckham catch that I am going to clean up, and I am going right in the middle of that with everything. I am not scared. I can hold my head up high because I bless have you. a feeling this year is going to be great.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I like to, the confidence. I, I hate to rewind this, but in the interest of being honest – Last year, I thought it was a blessing that the Giants played Dallas on opening day because I thought that was going to be a great way to kick off a potential Super Bowl
0: season. It did not work out that way. And this is also Dallas's home opener again this year, too. Which I'm it, just it letting is, you know. No, no, no,
1: I agree. In the interest of honesty. I, but I have hope. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, hey, um, nothing wrong with hope.
6: Uh, one more thing. Yeah. Paul, think about you. You would know for sure. John, I don't know because I don't know your age really. Think about the last time we drafted a player, and there was so much hype about. You can't count Eli because he we we didn't draft him, and you can't
1: count uh, Odell because we really didn't know until the camp. Yeah, that's true. For, for me, it's Jeremy Shockey. I think there was quite a bit of buzz about Jeremy Shockey. They really, really wanted him. Ernie, of course, he made a trade to get up to get him a couple of picks. And and when Shockey came in out of uh, the Miami Hurricanes program, he was certainly viewed as one of these new-age tight ends who was going to have
0: a big impact. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, before Shockey, do you know how I remember fans got really excited about this used from a big program, and he's, a, you know, usually it's only skill position guys people get excited for. People got really excited uh, for Tyrone Wheatley, I feel like, when he got drafted. And they were really pumped to get him in here and, and kind of be the next big starting running back for the Giants. No? But really, well, this, but, this, but I'm I, I don't, I'm
6: thinking, I don't know. I'm going back. I don't know. You know, Dave, government touched on it and said, this guy is touched by the hands of a God. I'm not comparing him to this person because he is a God, but I'm going LT.
1: Well, you know, all right. Well, I, I appreciate the thought. And thanks and, for the and, call. I appreciate and, and it. Certainly, I don't think when, when the Giants fans got LT in the building, I don't think even they knew how great he was going to be to be the greatest defensive player who ever lived. Way to represent Big Blue in, in uh, no, Oklahoma, No, no doubt. By the way. I do think there was a lot of hype on Ron Dane. He had, won luck, the, the he had won the Heisman <laughs> Trophy. Oh, you know what? You're, You're know? right. There I should have hype with on Dane, Dane
0: instead of Wheatley. You're right. You know? I should have went with Dane instead of Wheatley. That's a good point.
1: But But Dane also wasn't. You know, a home run hitter. He wasn't a you know when when he came out as a Heisman Trophy winner, he was he was viewed as more of a of a methodical uh, statistical compiler right. as opposed to a guy who's going to run sixty yards for a See, touchdown.
0: That year, I know I liked Sean Alexander better than Dane. Where did you sit on that?
1: Uh, I actually liked Alexander very much myself, but I was also I I must confess I thought that Dane was actually the right pick for the Giants, okay. and it didn't work out so well. Well, it did as a rookie, actually. He ran for over 700 yards, was a Thunder and Lightning combo with Tiki Barber, and they went to the Super Bowl that
0: year. I was a little young when it happened. I don't remember a big hubbub when Hampton got drafted because it was a later first-round pick.
1: Well, see, what happened with Rodney Hampton, Rodney Hampton was one of the top five players on the Giants' board that year. But he had had, knee issues, right? Well, he had a knee issue that nobody really knew about. Mm. And he dropped, and the Giants were shocked. And when when he fell to them... Obviously, they
0: took him because they had him as a top-five talent. All right, final call of the show. Charlie, we're late. I'm not going to play the Open. Go ahead, pal. What do you got?
3: Hey, I just wanted to say, Paul Schwartz, may the Schwartz be with you, because he was so right on about Eric Flowers, and I was so refreshing to hear somebody say it the truth that it was great to hear. And the only other thing I got for you guys is Paul. We're going to have a couple of undrafted free agent tackles in. I know they're not going to be hitting anybody, but they can show you if they can move, if they can bend, if they can twist, if they can do some things. So take a look at a couple of guys I've heard that's coming in. I'm not saying for sure they are, is Gates from Nebraska and Howell from Tyler Howell from uh Missouri, Charlie. He do you really know.
0: think? Do you really think you have to tell Paul to watch the offensive line? Well, but Come on, to tweet, just to tweet <laughs> out. I mean, just to tweet <laughs> out and
3: say what he thinks. You okay. know, I know you're not, not hitting. Charlie, anybody,
1: Charlie. I have done extensive film work on all tentative folks who have been attached to the franchise via the internet, and who knows if they will or will not be here. That's not for me to but say. But Paul, right we now. ready for
3: them if they are.
1: I the homework is already on the board. Trust me.
3: All right. Well, just let me know how, how they look to you. You're not going to miss the guy from Missouri because he's like 6'8", 330 if, pounds. If, if he big. is,
1: if he is, I'm sure he will dwarf <laughs> many other folks on the field. <laughs> he certainly will. He certainly will. Thank you,
0: Charlie. Okay,
3: okay guys. Take care.
0: Appreciate it. Call back when you get a chance. We've got to run. Show's, yep. show's over. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate the call as always, my friend. Just call back if you want to make another point.
1: Trust me, though, Charlie, you will get a full report. I, on whoever the offensive tackles are who come in during the course of the next couple of days, I will be all over
0: it. And, again, you're not going to be able to tell a whole lot out of many You can't. You can't. You can't.
1: But I, I will be studying film extensively of their college days to get a
0: good grade. Go ahead. That's it. I'm going to say okay. goodbye. I'm done. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Tomorrow it's Lance and Feagles. Paul and I will be uh... – do a media, I think Shermer tomorrow's, Coach Shermer's at 11? 11.30. 30 and then player availability after that. So yes. Paul and I will be taking care of that. We'll have a report after practice on what happened. And, uh, then of course we'll have coverage of everything else at Minicamp as well throughout the day on Friday. And on Saturday, late practices, by the way, 3.30 to 5.30 both days if memory mm-hmm. serves. So uh, you have to be a little patient. But not by open, the, by the way. No, not open to the public. So uh, by the time you get to late, uh, early evening, we should have a lot of our content up from those practices. So make sure you go to Giants.com to check that out. In the meantime, for Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live on this Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great day.